is Sermon Smith, a bi-weekly conversation about the craft of sermon preparation, and my name is John Chandler. Hope everybody's having a good spring. We are past Easter. I'm actually in the midst of a little vacation. I'm recording this intro in a Starbucks parking lot because it's the only quiet place I can find, so I can drop it in front of this interview I recorded a few weeks ago. Andy Sikora is the guest today. Andy is the pastor of Renew Communities, which is just outside of Cleveland, Ohio. It was great to connect with Andy We had a lot of mutual friends, and he was a listener, and I found him that way. And then once we started talking, we realized how many connections we had. He had a great story of what's happening with their church and how they started it, and then very much how that shapes the way that he preaches. So I hope that'll be helpful for you this time around. Our partner today is Logos Bible Software. Logos is the Bible software that I use and that I love. I have a whole bunch of commentaries and uh, sermons, other resources in there so that I can find anything I have related to any given text or theme or topic that I'm working on. I love it. I use it on my iPad. I was using it in my iPad this morning in the trailer where we're staying doing prep for my next sermon because I could just prop it on my chest while everybody else was sleeping. Fantastic. Logos.com slash sermonsmith. You go there, you can find a coupon code for 10% off and a portion of your purchase uh, on any new base package will go to support the podcast. So if uh, you're looking for Bible software, man, that's the one I heartily recommend and use myself. So thanks again for listening. And here we are to Andy Sikora of Renew Community. Uh, but Andy, tell us, um, tell us about Renew Communities, plural, yes? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So we started our church. Uh, we actually just this past Sunday celebrated our f- fifth anniversary. Uh, we started, um, well, I'll just kind of give you a quick background. Um, I was in seminary uh, at George Fox in Portland, and uh, I had Alan Hirsch as a professor for one of my courses, and he talked about how in any community in America, there's about 60% of people who are opposed to church as they know it. Yeah. And uh, and so for me, I was I was working at a large um, Southern Baptist Church doing young adult ministry. We were trying to reach kind of a region of college and young adult, um, you know, people throughout the, the region of Cleveland, Ohio. And, uh, and so a lot of what I was doing was playing in worship services and preaching and working on event kind of based, uh, ministry. And it was good. There was good stuff happening, but that 60% number stuck in my head. I lived about 20, five minutes away from the church I was working at. And so, you know, I'm walking around the community where I live, which I loved. um, And a lot of the times not on, not going to church on Sunday morning because we did ministry Sunday night, seeing people that weren't at church and, you know, maybe they went Saturday night, maybe whatever. But, uh, but knowing this is, these are the 60%. These are the people who aren't in church, maybe would never go to church. And I just remember thinking, how are we ever going to, how will these people ever be reached? Um, or connected to Christ. And I knew it wasn't through what we were doing uh, and not because what we were doing was bad, but it was far away and it, it was designed to reach the 40% who would go to church, you know? Right, right. So we started thinking and praying about what that meant. And over time decided we were going to plant uh, a new church in our, in our area. And the church that we left was very supportive, still is very supportive. It's called Cuyahoga Valley Church. And uh, the lead pastor there, uh, founding pastor is a guy named Rick Duncan. He's passionate about church planting, oh, especially in the Cleveland area. Yeah, very supportive. That's not always how and, the story goes. No, not at all. But he, yeah. man, I mean, just last week I spent four days with him on some training. And I mean, embarrassingly, he's like a dad proud of his son. You know, he'll he'll brag on us and me all the time. And it's it's good to have that kind of support. You sure. know, it's wonderful. Um, and he really, he played a formative role in how I, I became a, or grew in my preaching ability as well. 
um, over the years. Uh, but we planted Renew, uh, really thinking, how could we plant a church um, that would reach those 60%? And so we, we modeled it after a missional community model. Um, it's, not a, it's not pure um, missional community in the fact that like we still value our Sunday morning worship gatherings. Um, we say we exist in three kind of expressions. One is Sunday morning worship, uh, missional communities, and then we do discipleship huddles as well. And so, um, you know, uh, Cleveland is a highly Catholic area, and uh, even a lot of those people who would identify themselves as Catholic in Cleveland would really be a part of that 60%. Uh, they wouldn't go to church. They're opposed to church. But if you said, hey, do you go to church? They'd say, yeah, I go to St. Malachi's or St. Herman's or St. You know, Mary's of the Falls is in our neighborhood. And if I said, well, when do you go? They'd be like, I've, I've been, you know, like it's, it's something I've done. Yeah, exactly. Why are you asking? So, uh, so we knew that the Sunday worship experience would matter um, because we wanted at least to have credibility in a community where, um, you know, what at least kind of looked like church still has to look like church. Uh, now, if you came to our worship gatherings, it wouldn't necessarily look like church to them or really many people, but, um, but it's the same elements, teaching and worship and fellowship and you know, we can talk a little bit more about that, but that's how that's where we came from. And um, to to I'd say in the first two years, not only were we trying to connect with the sixty percent who would never come to church, and we mostly did that through our missional engagement through those missional communities, but we started um, we kind of had to uh, reprogram ourselves, and I say ourselves because it was as much myself and our worship um, leader had to reprogram our thinking of what the Sunday morning experience was supposed to be about because it wasn't just like draw a lot of people in. It had to be equipping and sending. So we rethought kind of every element of Sunday morning. To, and I don't want to make it sound like we recreated it. We learned from a lot of people. You but for us, it. we had it. Yeah, we fixed it. We did it. Finally, <laughs> tell the apostles. Uh, so, so that's kind of where we've been. So you would really say the bent and the focus of your Sunday gathering is equipping people for ministry rather than connecting with people like you're, you're still focused on the 40%, but you're focused on sending out the 40%. Yeah. So when we okay. gather together, we always, um, this is, I, I, I was telling you about a friend of mine from Fort Wayne, um, that we knew back then named Josh Longbreak. And he, he was saying, you know, it's kind of that old Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, uh, always be closing, uh, mentality. Only we think it's always be sending. And so whenever we're together, we always are trying to think about how we can be sending out. And so in that regard, we're focused on the, the, in the, those who belong, those who know Christ, those who, you know, we say, if you're, if you've been made new, if you're renewed, if you've been, you know, if you're saved, however you want to put it, then you're part of it, you're sent. And, uh, and so we try and make everything ascending opportunity. And, but to do that, you have to be prepared to go, you know? And so, uh, I, I don't want to make it sound like we don't do felt need sermons. We still talk about, um, marriage and we still deal with, um, you know, everyday issues, but we do a lot on mission and we do a lot on um, kind of equipping for ministry, trying to engage people in their current context, thinking of their everyday life as a mission field, that kind of stuff. Um, so that's that in our Sunday morning, that's a lot of what you're going to get in the midst of, you know, yeah. different kind of sermons. Yeah. yeah. Well, and well, that you're just setting me right up for my next question because yeah, I'm, I'm looking at your website right now and the, sure. uh, the recent sermon series. So it does look, it certainly doesn't look like you guys necessarily do lectionary, but you do some, a lot of series, maybe some thematic and mm -hmm. some textual talk, talk about that process yeah. of planning. Sure. All. Yeah. So, uh, 
I, uh, I went to school, I went to my, get my undergrad at a school called Huntington uh, University in Indiana. And I remember uh, a class that I hated was curriculum development. I was a youth ministry major. And so we were, it was like curriculum development, generally thinking kind of like Sunday school model, that kind of stuff. And, uh, and I hated the class. And, uh, but the one thing that I, I'll take, I've taken away, you know, almost 20 years later is, um, about scope and sequence and how you, how you think, what do we want to cover and how are we going to cover it? Mm-hmm. And so what I do every year, we have, um, we kind of have mission and values and uh, and then we have kind of the expressions of our church, and so I'm trying. I'm always trying to think how can I really shape a preaching calendar around these, especially the values that we say, and some around kind of those elements of of our our three expressions. So every year in the fall, I'll get away and I think through kind of like what have we covered. And then I go, what are we going to cover this year? How are we going to make sure we hit these five values and, and use them? How, how can we kind of shepherd people or develop people to take the next step around these things every year? So, you know, I really I map out my year from January through December, which is really great in like November if you're looking at January, February, March. But it's really hard when you're in November thinking about the following November, you know, because yeah. you just never know what it's going to be. Though this November, October, November, I've been. I got a series uh, that I've been wanting to preach for three years, but now that's an election year, I'm pretty excited about it. So oh, anyway, wow. Wow. that's a teaser. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can tell you about it if you want. But <laughs> so we have uh, a couple things we do. We always do a book study in the summer. Uh, we try and focus on uh, either one section of scripture or one book of the Bible. Really try and up the reading. Um, you know, levels, biblical literacy levels of our people, trying to encourage them to get into a habit of reading along with us. We create different form, different reading plans because we know some people have a higher level of biblical literacy than others. So, you know, sometimes it's like you could read this book or section every week. You could read it every day. You could read the section we're going to preach on. Um, so that's always in there. We always try and deal with marriage and relationships or marriage and family um, at one point during the year, generally around like February. And then, um, those are the two. And then obviously we do kind of a, a, a Christmas series of some sort and we do some sort of Lent Easter combo, um, just depending on how everything else is laying out through the year. So those are kind of like the things that are always in there. Uh, but how they play out is different every year. And then we just, I go through and we, we kind of plan out the year, around either what, what we know we need to work through or on together, maybe areas that we need to elevate, uh, or just, you know, things that God's laid on my heart or on the heart of our team over um, over the last year. I'm always writing notes like, here's a good series idea, or here's something, or one of our, our co-pastors, he's always reading and thinking. He's like, hey, you should think about this or read this, and we can talk about developing a series that way. So in November, I get away, and I think it through, and I write them all out, and generally let's say I come up with eight to nine series throughout the year. Um, we normally probably do seven to eight of them and something will inevitably kind of get pulled off and put to the side and something else kind of more urgent or pressing or something that just feels more right ends up getting back in there. Then I just put it back on the shelf and maybe pull it off in a year or two or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, so that's kind of how the planning of it works. And, um, for for the long term. And I try when I do that, I try to write, I try to figure out what text I'm going to be working from. I try to write some short blurb for our team. Um, I write kind of just so that I can see it and other people can see it. 
so that we can then talk about, does this seem right? Does this feel right? Is this going to fit in the, in the uh, life of our church? What questions do you have? What pushback? Do you hate it? Do you like it? Um, am I missing things? Those kind of things. And then also I can give stuff away then when, um, we're working on a preaching calendar, I can, uh, easily invite somebody else in to preach because I can say, Hey, this is a series we're doing. This is a topic I think you'd be good at, or I'm going on vacation. I need somebody to fill in. And then they have at least a way to fit in the flow of things. And it generally works out okay that way. Uh, so in the in the answer you just gave, you talked about the we and the I. You you mix yeah. you mixed your uh, pluralities. I, yep, I, I'm, sure. I'm inventing language now. Oh, that's so, okay. It it sounds like it sounds like the we. There's kind of a an organic dialogue based process. It sounds like a lot of that even happens before December because you're collecting yeah. those ideas, and then when you're in December, you kind of hammer it all out. Is that right? Yeah. So I would say generally, uh, I, I mean, because of the nature of our team. Um, we have one other full-time person on our staff and then one, two, three, three part-time people on our staff. And so trying to connect everybody at once to plan, it's always kind of like, it just doesn't work. I wish it did, but it doesn't. And so we have this ongoing kind of regular conversation about stuff happening. And then I do kind of get away by myself to really map it out. Um, uh, and then I bring it back to everybody. And I include our elders in on that, that kind of like, look at this, tell me how it feels to you, what kind of feedback would you have? And it's just funny, different people have different levels of interest and feedback. Some people are like, looks great. And then other people really are like, what do you mean by this? And how are we going to work through that? You know, Um, And so I I would say that's kind of the inclusion part. And then I look for feedback or pushback on throughout the year too. It's like, hey, is this series working? Are these things that, are we connecting with people on these things? Because the the worst thing would be to spend so much time planning and not not really connecting to the people, but you know, so lots of feedback in that regard. Uh, how often do you preach? Well, I, I've um, we've gone in seasons. Last year was probably the best I've ever done. I was probably preaching three out of four or four out of five weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a co-pastor. Uh, his name's Curtis. He's our pastor of missional discipleship. He's part-time. And he was, he, I mean, he wants to preach. He wanted to preach all the time. He and his family went through some, some difficult stuff. And so he kind of pulled back for about six months, but he's preaching this Sunday for the first time in about six months. So I'm excited to get him back in the loop. I have one elder. He's a, he's a computer programmer and uh, he he's he's a really great communicator. He worked for NASA for a while. Now he works for Phillips. Um, but Sounds he kind of dumb. Yeah, right. <laughs> he can't, dude. I'm telling you, he gave this sermon called "Science Is Worship" like two years ago. Yeah. That may be the best sermon that's ever been preached in our church. Like mm-hmm. it's it's so good. Um, and uh, he he generally comes to me with like, "Hey, I want to preach on this topic." Um, so like, science is worship, or yeah. he wants to preach about uh, caring for the poor. Um, last year, suffering or evangelism, things like that, and so he's like, "Where will that fit?" So he's got one sermon in the in the and really worked out already, but it's part of that November series because uh, that's where it's going to fit best for us. So he he generally goes once or twice a year, and then um, one of our worship leaders, we have a couple named uh, Chris and Bethany Salentius, and they both communicate very well. Um, and so Bethany's preached a couple times here. Chris has only preached once. Um, so it's just kind of a mess of, 
I don't want to say it's a mess. I have great team members, but it's kind of like a, a like how often, when, how it's not real like laid out for us of how that works out. So I'd like to preach three out of four, um, or maybe four out of five. Um, but I, I've recently preached a lot more than I've preached every week since. Uh, the first week of November until now, oh, just wow. because of the nature of everybody's lives right now. So I'm ready for a, a breather. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's been a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. I mean, it's even if your even if your role is primary communicator, right? Yeah, the the repetition of that. that yeah, and you feel it. You know, yeah. after a while, you just fi- feel yourself going. Do I ha- do I even have fresh ideas right now? Like I don't. You know, I can communicate pretty clearly the ideas I want to I want to do it, but how am I doing it? And is it connecting? Like I can tell you about stuff, but but is that going to connect on a heart level or is that going to be insightful or is it just going to be, here's some facts about the Bible. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, talk about then in light of that, talk about, yeah, sure. Talk about how you maybe put together a single sermon and maybe thematic yeah. versus top, you know, textual, whatever works for you or what you're doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, since I have, um, since I lay out these sermons for, for at the beginning of the year, generally I kind of have an idea, and this is just kind of how I work. I've got a whole bunch of stuff written out, and I once I write the stuff, I generally have a, a memory of kind of the process and even where I want to take them throughout the, the whole series. So and so it's pretty easy. sermons for, swirling around up there. Kind of, yeah. honestly. So like, um, you know, we've got a series we're going to do in um, May that's, we're about to do a series in during the Easter season called Jesus Saves, and it's really a, a theory, or it's a, it's I'm sorry, it's a series on um, uh, the theology of atonement, right? So this is like we're doing all sorts of stuff, kind of centered around uh, out of a book by Scott McKnight called The Community Called Atonement, which is a great little book. Uh, it's not that little, but it's really great. And uh, and so we're trying to think how do we talk about atonement theory in different directions so that it matters to the everyday person. And so I've been thinking about that a lot, um, but we have a new another series coming out of that. So that's a real heavy series. So I thought maybe a little more um, topical. We're doing something called Life Matters. And it's really just about passages uh, to deal with just things that we walk through in everyday life. So grieving, um, we're going to do uh, uh, a sermon on taking every thought captive, right? Submitting it to Christ uh, in, in the passage out of Philippians about whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's that, think on these things. So yesterday in my devotional reading, I'm reading something from Oswald Chambers about yielding to the Spirit and whatever we yield our own spirits to becomes kind of like uh, we become slaves to. And so I'm like, well, this is really good. I took some personal notes, but immediately I thought about that sermon that I'm preaching in late May. I'm like, man, this is it. So I just copied and pasted that into that so I could remember that kind of thing. And so having all, even though it's 52, kind of knowing where we're going throughout the year helps me really collect stuff for those sermons over time. So when it comes down, I wish I was one of those guys that was two or three weeks ahead but I'm one of those guys that's ready by Sunday, uh, generally ready right. by Sunday. And so uh, my week kind of goes, I really start, once I'm done preaching the one, uh, generally Monday morning, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm doing a lot of admin stuff, following up on things from the weekend, making connections, emails, because I'm terrible at emails. Um, but I'm thinking about, okay, what's next week going to be? Um, and I start kind of just trying to think through where I'm going with that. Maybe I look at the passage that we're covering or we're working out of. 
Um, and then we have staff meeting on Tuesday. Uh, and sometimes we'll talk through a little bit of like, hey, this is where I'm thinking, any feedback, questions, thoughts. But I really don't get to it until um, like Wednesday. If I can leave my office or I guess go to bed on Wednesday with an outline in mind, um, then I'm, I'm happy. Uh, so I'm just trying to go like, okay, where – and I think about every sermon – like a journey. I'm, I think of, I try and think about preaching as a shepherd, like, okay, I'm taking people from, I just want to take them from point A to point B and their point B may be further along than other people's point B, but I want to kind of work from this, like, what is the general opinion on this idea or topic, whether it's a topical sermon or a, a, a passage, uh, what's the general thinking on this for a non-Christian, someone who doesn't believe that may be coming along, and also those who have been in the church forever, and how do I t- help them take the next step towards the destination of this understanding? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of my, how I'm how I'm working through the sermons uh, in the outline format. It's like, wh- what am I trying to get people to see, and how do I get them to take that journey with me? Um, and so if I can have an outline... Um, then I'm happy. Now, I wish that happened on a regular basis, but there's many times I'm going to bed on Wednesday night going, man, I do not know what I'm doing yet. And Thursday's like my sermon prep day. Hmm. And it used to be like purely sermon prep on Thursdays when I had other jobs. Now as a as a church planter wearing a bunch yeah. of hats, yeah. sometimes I get switched off and it's just hard. But I still try and reserve Thursdays that, that day for that. And so I'll get up go to the, uh, Starbucks and I'll just like, I'll just start trying to write. Now, um, I guess I should back up a little bit. If I'm, if I'm, uh, using, if, if I, I'll hopefully have read some commentaries Monday, Tuesday, then I don't want to make it sound like I read a lot of commentaries. I wish that was true too, but like I've got the NT right for everyone things. Cause I sure. think those help really connect to what everybody thinks or could be thinking and how to carry them through. Um, there's this great John MacArthur commentary that's like this big, and it's really like it's really a Bible study commentary. It's not a like, like for the whole so Bible. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's literally like this. And I, I I'll should just, say you're holding up about three yeah, inches because yeah. yeah, nobody else so. can see that. Yeah, that's right. Just <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's huge. And uh, and I worked at a church, uh, the Southern Baptist Church I worked at before was a, was a much much more reformed theologically than I necessarily am. But so I got that book there, and I find it really helpful because it just kind of helps give you glimpses towards things. So I, and then I have other commentaries too, especially if we're in a book or in a certain passage I'll dig into. But I'm trying to kind of like get some things just running around my brain so that when I'm starting to develop that that outline, it's there. Most of the time, I don't uh, I don't quote those things or, you know, whatever during my sermons. I just I'm just using them to like marinate inside of me, you know. And so I'm probably using everybody else's ideas uh, most definitely I'm using other people's ideas while I'm preaching, but I don't often like directly quote it or say it unless it's just, I used to quote N.T. Wright a ton in sermons. And I remember this, this woman, she was part of our launch team and she worked for our work for us for a while doing admin work. And she's like, every time you use one of those N.T. Wright quotes, I just check out. Uh-huh. And I'm like, why? <laughs> it's awesome. He's, he's amazing. And the way he's writing, it's so easy to grab hold of it. She's like, yeah, but if you put a, a, a paragraph quote on the screen and you read it to me i just feel like it's just like too much i'm like that's good it's good, good feedback i mean it's honest. yeah right yeah. yeah so i was like okay i i get it so i still do every now and then but it, it's not as frequently in that all your commentaries are physical books 
Um, well, no, I, I have physical bo- books and then I have Kindle. I've moved to Kindle in the last like, I don't know, two years, primarily because it's cheaper and our budget, uh, you know, is much more limited than when I worked for a more established church. So I can get stuff for, you know, between th- three and nine bucks as opposed to, you know, 20 or 30 bucks. So, but not Bible software, you just not Bible Kindle software. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yeah. And I, I don't have any Bible software. I tried to, you know, this was when I was younger first as a youth pastor i did have logo software yeah but i never i just never got into it never started using it no you know i i know it's great uh i even thought about re-engaging with it in the last like year but i just have never done it sure, you know sure. it's yeah. never been my deal and you know so like if i'm looking and you know there is a lot of free stuff out on the internet so like if i'm looking for like understandings on the greek or hebrew or whatever it's still limited but i'll go to uh like net bibles lumina lumina uh, I can't remember luminabible.org or whatever, yeah. and there's a lot of great resources there that I, I grab a hold of and use, and really, it's it's just accessible for me. And what we're trying to do, you know, the people we're connecting to, that's enough. You know, they don't want a ton of like depth. They want the they can't handle it. And I don't mean like they're not smart enough. They just you're you're asking them to dive in to something they're not used to yet. You know, so um, so that Thursday I go to Starbucks and I try and spend three to four hours at Starbucks just writing. I'm a real extrovert. And so being in a room with lots of people, even if I'm not talking to them, is really a great – it cultivates a lot for me. And then we have an office at a medical complex that we got a great deal on. And so when I come here, often it's just me in the room or me and one other person. And that feels a lot less like energizing to me other than uh, that other than that blue wall next to you it looks very medical complex yeah it is it definitely <laughs> it's i mean we've done the best with it and it's nice it's nice to have the guy gave it to us for a great deal but it's not a you know yeah. i'm not running into anybody here once yeah. i'm in my room i'm in my room you know and so um so i write there and then i'll come over to the office because uh thursday's a day when everybody in our on our team is generally working so i want to be around so that we can intersect or interact but then i try and wrap up my sermon on a Thursday, I want to be able to have a rough draft that I feel pretty good about by the end of the day. Um, and so that's kind of how I, I write to that point. I send that off to our worship team so that they can, our worship leaders, so that they can kind of get where we're going. So they see it and they feel it and they know it. Um, and so they can give me some feedback too. They, they often, they don't give me much feedback, but if they do, if they're like, I don't get this or whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll take that into mind. And then I just let it sit. I, I take Fridays off. Um, and, uh, Fridays are, um, the first thing I do every Friday is go for a long run. So sometimes I'm thinking through stuff. Uh, often I feel like if there's stuff I don't understand about what I'm trying to say, uh, when I'm running is when I get clarity. And, uh, and you know, sometimes it's, I, I really think it's just God speaking to me. Um, as I'm running, I'm, I'm listening to often podcasts, but I'll be praying or thinking also and something that like I often think it's like, uh, you know, when you're trying to assemble, you know, those um, pieces of furniture that you get like from Ikea or whatever. And you're like, I know this is supposed to fit here. Yeah. yeah. I just don't know how to get it together. And I'm just having a hard time. And then when you finally see, oh, this piece goes in here and now it fits perfectly. And it's like I should have gotten that all along. That's how I feel when it snaps. It's like it snaps into place and you're like, that's it, you know? So I'll, I'll, I still don't though go correct it. I try and leave it alone on Friday until Saturday morning, uh, just because I need to be disciplined and taking time off or else I'll work all the time. Yeah. Um, 
so then Saturday morning I get up and I, I work through the rough draft again, fix some of those problems, um, send off a, a, an email to of all my PowerPoint slides to my worship leader. And then I run through it verbally. I'll preach it or speak it or read it out loud uh, on Saturday. And then Sunday morning I do it again. When I get up out of bed early, do it again. Then we set up and tear down every week. So I don't generally right. do it again until I preach it then at 930. So I'll run through it two or three times. And then, and then I go on Sunday morning. Yeah. So. All right, Andy. So you gave the big broad timeline. Now I'll get the, now I come back and get all the nitpicky stuff. Yeah. Sure. So you've got 52 sermons swirling around in your head or, you know, we're, we're two thirds or a third of the way through the year now. So you're down to, you're down to 38, we'll call it. Right. Um, and but you talked about how you're always collecting the stuff that you're thinking about for each of those sermons. How, where are you capturing all that so that when you sit down on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you can start looking at the stuff you've already got. Yeah, that's good. So, um, in the past I'd, I'd either have like word files or, um, I tried to use Evernote for a while. I went to a Rob Bell preaching conference and he talked yeah. about Evernote. I'm like, I'm doing that. If I do that, then maybe I'll be like him. So uh, it didn't work. Really? I thought so. That's what he said. Uh, so uh, then I uh, – just this year I created um, – and this was kind of the request of our team. I created these uh, Google Doc files that are kind of spreadsheets. And so I've got date, topic. I've got like the broad series overview, date, topic, passage, and then um, like ideas and then there's like songs, a, a section for songs. So if there's a song we could think of or like a story or experience, uh, like congregational involvement, mm-hmm. um, how could we how could we map that all out so we see it? And some of that stuff is log- just logistical, you know, like we need to – we do communion basically once a month. And so we need to make sure that's on the calendar. We don't forget about it, you know, that we can plan appropriately for it. Uh, but that way, there's a place for all of us to go dump ideas. I would say generally, I'm still the one dumping the most ideas in it. But uh, and then I just share it with everybody on the team so that they can see where it's at and what's what's happening. So I'll just dump like that thing I said for the sermon that's in May. I just took the link, posted it there, and just left it there so I could know to go read it when we get closer to it. So I'm sure you get ideas when you're running on Friday morning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just, you just repeat them in your head over and over till you get well, to type I them have, in. I have, uh, on a regular basis stopped on the side of the road, taken my phone out of my, I have a little pouch. I run with my phone, taken it out and punched out a quick email to myself. Yeah. So I don't forget it. And then when I get back to home or the next morning when I wake up, I see it and then I'll post it into wherever I need to be or whatever. But I do that a lot. I'll email. I've tried lots of ways. Like, you know, you have your voice recorder on your smartphone. So I'll I'll, uh, I'll try and speak to that. Well, I forget that I've done it. And like six months later, I'll see it and I'll be like, oh, that would have been good for the sermon I preached five months ago. Um, so the email thing is the best way for me to just kind of get it back out there and then I can place the the idea where I need it to be in one of those files. Um, so I can come back to it. Uh, I do think uh, everybody's different, right? Everybody processes and thinks through things in different ways. But uh, in regards to planning, I would say planning and thinking through strategically how I was going to preach or maybe even outlines. Um, I think that stuff like sits and it stays in my brain. Specific ideas or phrasing uh, doesn't as much, yeah. you know, but, but like kind of like broader outline, that kind of stuff. It's just like something – I just walk around with and see in my head on a regular basis. And so there are things I know I better write this down or I'm going to forget it. 
And then there are things that I'm like, it's in me. I know it's here and I'm not too worried about losing it. Now, I may have lost good ideas in the process of being overly confident about my memory, but generally that's kind of there for me. So I'll share this since yeah. I already know from our emails that J.R. Briggs is a mutual friend. Yeah. As with J.R. last week. And maybe this will be helpful to you. Maybe you yeah, already do sure. this or maybe this will be helpful to somebody else. Or, or maybe I'll just be poking fun at J.R. Any of those might be true. Uh, but I was with JR last week, and he said, yeah, man, I got this idea for this app where you could just open up your phone, and you just type something in and press it, and it automatically emails to you. And then he said, then I looked, and there's like a bajillion apps that already do that. So oh, wow. Well. I don't know if you know that, but there are apps that you there can just start typing, and it'll email it to you. I did not know that. I should write that down. I think the one because he that's... used is called Captio, I think. Captio. Yeah. That's good. I didn't know that. Yeah, I also, yeah, that's good. It's really good. Good. Huh. Okay. <laughs> but JR's coming up with apps that thousands that of people have, have yeah. already made. Yeah. I'm going to come up with an app <laughs> that you post an address in it and it'll tell you how to get there. That, oh, that's a good idea. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, all right. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, you're, you have your ways of getting stuff together. Let's talk sure. about, I'm getting more and more deliberate about asking this question because it okay. always fascinates me. I usually ask it off the cuff and now I've actually put it in my little outline of questions to ask, which is Wednesday you make that outline. How does right. that happen? How, like, how, do you have a set structure that you follow every time or how does that outline emerge? Yeah, that's good. You know, uh, a couple of things. It, one is, um, you know, I, I, I've, I've done a lot of thinking about preaching and how what makes a sermon good, um, in my opinion. Uh, and, you know, I know everybody has different opinions about everybody and everything. But for me, one of the guys I think is best at capturing people at the beginning of a sermon is Andy Stanley. You know, you listen to that guy's first three to five minutes of a sermon, you know exactly where he's going and you care about why he's going there. Mm -hmm. And so I've tried to like learn how, how do I create a good opening um, that's going gonna, it's gonna to create the reason to hear the rest of the sermon, you know? And so, so I've become very – there's some guys that, that do some uh, deal called Preaching Rocket, which I've heard some of their – it's like a, a, a preaching resource where you, you can learn their playbook and all this stuff. Never paid for any of it, but they've done some online seminars or online web, web conferences to sell their stuff, and I've watched a little bit of it. But they have some good questions uh, that, that are – kind of help you get to where Andy Stanley tries to get to as well. So things like – um, what's the, what's the one big idea you're trying to give to people? Um, then it's like, uh, you know, what's a phrase they call a sticky phrase, but what's like a phrase and they give different ways that is you would want to use to kind of illustrate that idea. Then they ask questions that are crazy. Like, why am I the person to share this with everybody? Right. My answer is because I'm the one with the microphone, right? Like yeah, it's because yeah. I have to, but, but a lot of the times it's like, it helps you evaluate, your own motivate, like the motivation behind it. Like, why do I care that people catch this or get this or know this or understand this? And, uh, and, and then it ha they want you to write like, um, like a paragraph or two sentences or something that kind of captures all that together. And, uh, you know, that, that has been really helpful for me in thinking about how to start the whole thing. Yeah. So I work hard on that stuff. 
Um, sometimes that's on like, they have worksheets that I got on that, but sometimes just in my notebook, I have like a journal and the only reason I have a journal is to jot ideas down. I don't really like very often go back to it much past that week, but it's just a good place for me to process. And then the rest of it, I think I, I will write down my outline and it's generally chicken scratchy. Like I know what it is. I don't develop ideas fully. Um, you know, I told you before we got going here, I've used Steve Carter's, um, note card system that he kind of explained. Stack. I saw it. Yeah, right there. Um, so I've used that sometimes to kind of try and organize the outlines. Um, it's not what I do every week, but sometimes when I have a lot of ideas and I'm not sure what fits and what doesn't. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of, I guess if I feel like I'm clearly understanding where I'm going, I'll just make a quick outline on pieces of paper. If I'm like, I kind of have a general sense of where I want to go, I have to start really kind of digging into different methods to try and map it out. And then I really like, I look at it, I kind of, I was making a joke about Google Maps a minute ago, but I really do look at it since I'm kind of a journey destination based ideas in my preaching. I try and think, now is this, a, is this the, the best route to get people where I want them to be? You know, what kind of like um, uh, pit stops are we making along the way? Uh, Am I doing this roundabout over here that's unnecessary just because I'm passionate about that idea or I think it's funny or it's a good – whatever? Uh, And should I cut that to make the route more effective or efficient, you know? So that's how I look at my my outlines. And I I mean I have scrap papers all around. So sometimes I'm mapping them out there, notebooks, whatever – and that's that's where I do the development of it. Uh, it's not very pretty. I mean, if I, if somebody was like, "Hey, um, teach me how to do this," I would I would kind of start uh, walking them through my process, but I wouldn't be able to be like, "Here it is," you know, yeah. like here's the here's the the workbook. However, I have worked with um, you know almost everybody who's preached at Renew at our church has. Not everybody, but most of the people who have preached at Renew have never preached before. And so I'm, I'm helping develop them in this. And so I do kind of say, what's your big idea? What's your intro? Where's your outline? Now fill it out. I make everybody write their sermons out like, you know, in a manuscript format. And then we go back and forth like on this, you know, what's good, what's bad, what's, what's missing. And so um, I do that with my own stuff too sometimes. But so I have walked people through it, but it's not as like systematic as, you know, maybe it could be or should be sometimes. (laughs) But I I mean, I like that you're also working to develop people, too. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's important. Well, you know, and like I said, you know, how often you preach, it's like, well, if I if I want to take a Sunday off, we don't have a lot of paid staff that like are chomping at the bit. So if we're going to do it, we got to we got to we got to do it. You know, we got to we got to build them up and prepare them and teach them things and get them ready to go. Uh, so I think you just answered this question, but it's another sure. one I, I scrolled out here Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, your, your big day that you're manuscripting. You're writing out a manuscript. Yeah. Uh, I, I, so the first time I ever preached, I was a youth pastor at a church plant in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And I'm like, I had the opportunity. It's a very fast growing church. So when I started there, it was like 250 people. But I think the first time I ever preached, there was like 800 people there. Hmm. So here, you know, I'm used to preach, teaching like a small group of, of high school kids or whatever. And now I'm speaking to 800 people and I was 22 years old yeah. and I was terrified, you know, I was passionate, but terrified. And so I've always used a manuscript, um, to write and then 
I use it to deliver it too. Um, I, I work it through a bunch of times before I, pre, bef, you know, I speak it at least two or three times now. I used to do four or five times so that I would internalize it as much as possible, but I always have it in front of me. Um, and sometimes I'll just honestly, like, I wish I would get over it. I wish that I would trust the process enough to like leave it off stage. And I've tried a few times, but I just, um, there's so many things that I want to say specifically that I'm worried I'll miss saying if I don't have that with me. Um, that said, uh, I've grown probably in the last three or four years in my ability to, uh, listen to what I feel like the Holy Spirit saying to me in the moment so that I can add things, go different directions to help really bring clarity that maybe I was missing that helps us in the moment. So I'm definitely a manuscript guy. And when I have people teach in my place, I, I at least make them write a manuscript so that they have thought it all through before they get up. I, you know, this is me. This is my pet peeves. Um, I, I, I hate nothing more than when someone gets up and says, I don't have any notes, and then they ramble. I hate when people get up and say, hey, uh, when it's time for me to close, just give me a wave. Right. I'm like, no, that's not how this works, right? Like, you know, uh, we told you somewhere between 25 and 40 minutes. That's a pretty strong window. You, you should plan it out. That, that kind of stuff, like, you know, gets me. Because I think what it, you know, this is my, my own personal personality. Uh, I think it shows a lack of discipline. And to me, it shows a lack of care for what's been entrusted to you, whether you're the regular guy or a fill-in, because you've got these people who are here uh, wanting to grow in their their life with Christ. And if you get up there and say, hey, you know, just let me know when I should be done, it just makes me feel like it's not, you haven't taken the importance of it seriously. And I don't just mean the sermon. I mean shepherding people in this time, you know. So I'm not saying guys that go without manuscripts don't care about that stuff. There are a lot of guys who are great and, and, and don't and care about that stuff a lot, but I just hate it when people seem to have a lack of care for that. Yeah. Well, you yeah. and, uh, and th- you haven't heard this one yet cause it's not live yet, but uh, my last interview before you was Sean Palmer, who's a okay. fellow Texan for me here. And the two of you have now pounded the manuscript drum pretty hard. here. Uh, uh. So. Yeah, you'll enjoy listening to that when you're allowed to. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Right, right. Which will be before anybody hears this. So that's great. Um, okay. See, now you, I got sidetracked with that. Yeah, but, sure. All right. Uh, just a little question. Talk about your talk about this series that you're excited about in November. Yeah, sure. Okay, so um, uh, there's this passage in Hebrews uh, where it's it's you got your Hall of Faith chapter, right? Mm-hmm. Talking yeah. about everybody. Then at the end of that, it talks about. Um, all these people, you know, left or did what they did, uh, longing for a better country, right? Mm-hmm. But they didn't take hold of it. It was just the promise. And so that phrase, I read this on a mission trip in Haiti like three years ago, longing for a better country. And I was like, man, what, is, what does that mean? Let's unpack that. And, uh, and, and thinking about our country and, you know, we're in the midst of this chaos. Today's primary day in Ohio while we're talking. And so, yeah. you know, I drove by these people in front of a semi-trailer with a big old Donald Trump sign and signs. They're just signing up, you know, and, and all these people are, are, why, why is everyone so uh, angry, passionate? Why is it, you know, Bernie's better than Hillary, Hillary's better than Donald, whatever, you know, why is this, why is everybody throwing stones? Well, honestly, we get so fired up for it because really we're all longing for a better country. And so what does it mean? What does that text mean? And how do we, as those 
who really are connected to that country, that nation, that people as Christians in America? How do we live under that? You know, how do we live into that? And how do we as Christians in an election season um, put our hope you know, in the one who who brings hope and not in a candidate who will disappoint or whatever. So uh, that's really the like the thrust of what we're going to try and do is think through like um, kingdom versus empire, which I know many people are talking about on a regular basis now. But, you know, I don't think uh, I don't think your average Christians are thinking about that in in America. Right. So how do we how do we communicate that? How do we help people see themselves primarily as citizens of heaven, right? Or that's that's who who where our citizenship lies. Versus, you know, like um, I just read on Facebook a guy saying over lunch, I did my duty as a Christian and an American by voting. Well, I, I'm grateful for the right to vote, but uh, you know, is that our duty as Christians? What is what is what are we called to as Christians? Um, and how do we, you know, uh, how, how do we bridge that gap? And what does it look like for us to have the kind of faith that was celebrated in those chapters in the in in a society that that isn't celebrating those things you know so that's really what we're trying to work through in that series so my one friend who works at nasa worked at nasa and works at uh phillips now um you know he's like i want to talk about uh non-violence and i'm like oh brother okay i want you to too where are we going to fit that in well when he says that, I'm like, well, here we go, yeah. you know, because it fits right with that idea of longing for a better country that's in line with the ways of Christ, you know. So a lot of that, a lot of that, you know, really great stuff by, um, you know, Brian Zand or um, Greg Boyd's got some good good resources sure, yeah. on that. I'm gonna, I'm, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm fully in anybody's camp on this stuff, but I feel like we got to talk about it. And I think in middle America, probably in Texas too, uh, it's not a real easy conversation to be had because so many people have either bought and sold the idea that the Christian's duty is to elect the right person. Uh, or they, they haven't even thought about it. They just assume this is what we do. This is, this is, this is who we are. And so trying to help, um, I heard Peter Rollins once say, do you know, Peter Rollins, um, uh, he was at that Rob Bell preaching conference back in the day. He said the the role of the the sermon is to disrupt the to, no sorry the role of the sermon is to rupture people's understanding, right? And so you should you should be able to confront people's understanding with truth, with the gospel, with scriptures, with Christ. However, so that it it kind of like just blows it up. And then he his argument was, and then leave them to put it back together. I don't know that that's the, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily even just to be like, I just blew you up. Now figure it out yourself. I think it's trying to then help people get a, a, a mindset or a biblical understanding or a Christ centered understanding around them. What do we do? You know, like how do we move forward from here? So that's kind of what I hope happens through that series. Yeah. Sounds fun. Yeah. Maybe we'll yeah. do that. Yeah. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. Uh, the one other thing I meant to, I scratched out here, I'm having a hard time reading my own writing, but yeah. uh, when when you manuscript, are you handwriting or you're typing? I'm typing. Yeah. I almost never, I, I'm a, I'm a typer guy, man. I love, I love to have it saved somewhere else so that I don't lose it, misplace it. You know, I'm, I'm sure every preacher who, uh, 
is listening to this has had the dream where you get up there and you don't know what you're supposed to say and where it went. And, you know, the la- one of the most important sermons I preached was the last sermon I preached at my old, to me, it, personally, most important sermons. I was the last sermon I preached at the church before they sent us out to plant. And I got to church. I actually have it on the iPad. So I type, I save it as a PDF, and then I ha- open it on my iPad and I, I preach from my iPad. Um, I got to the church that morning to preach it's like 8 a.m. and I open up my iPad and I open up the PDF and it's just a white document. It's there's oh. nothing there. And I, I'm like, I'm, I, and unfortunately I'd left my computer at home 25 minutes away. So I'm like, what am I going to do? And, uh, so I, I turned off my iPad, turned it back on. There it was, it was good. But, um, so I've never really had an issue but that was the the most terrifying moment. It was like, oh man, what am I going to do? So now I save it to a cloud too. I put it in my email. So there's lots of ways I can access yeah, yeah. it if necessary uh, to get to it. Um, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't have the dream that I can't find my notes. I just have the dream that everybody gets up and starts leaving in the middle. Oh of the yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I have that. I have that. Every now and then when I'm preaching, I see people get up. We have a very, like we have a very young church, lots of uh, young families. So there's a lot of movement in our in our worship gathering. Sometimes it's moms or dads taking their youngest ones out. Sometimes it's because their little pager thing went off. They got to go see what's going on. Sometimes they just got to go to the bathroom. But there's just a lot of movement. And I'm always like trying to talk myself into believing that I haven't said anything to offend them when they're getting up. You know, people get up and just walk out. I'm like, okay, did I say something or is that a person? I just go, oh, I must be something personal. They got to have a kid. It's okay. They yeah, right, kid. right, right. Exactly. Wait, exactly. they don't have a kid. Yeah. Why are they leaving? Hey man, the other day I was preaching a sermon about forgiveness in this. We did a sermon series on marriage and I did, um, you know, love covers a multitude of sins. And I was talking about how you deal with like, um, people sinning against you, how love covers that. Anyway, I, I said, you know, at times Jesus is, you know, Jesus says, if you're in a worship gathering or worship service, you're going to make a, sac- a sacrifice at the altar, or whatever. If if you realize there's something between you and another person, whether they've harmed you or you've harmed them, get up right now and go deal with it. And I say this, and this couple over here on the right, both of them look at each other and they get up and they go out. And then they come back like two minutes later. I'm like, whoa, they did it. And the funny thing is then like 30 seconds later, I saw a couple over on the left side of the room do the same thing. I'm like, holy cow, like this is really happening right now. So that was the first time I was happy to see somebody walk out of a, there you go. a sermon. It was great. <laughs> uh, standard question. I, I know you yeah. have to listen to the podcast. So uh, what are what are some books that have shaped how you preach uh, <laughs> or you as a preacher? Yeah. That's good. You know, um, this isn't a book, so I'm sorry for changing the question right away. There, uh, there's this guy, and I'm trying to remember his name, Michael Port, I think, and he's got a, uh, his, he's got a co-instructor. But they wrote, they they do these things called creative, no, heroic public speaking, right? And so they do this whole thing, and I think I saw it on like a. Um, like a Facebook ad or something, but the, the trailer for it, I was like, man, that's really interesting. And they, they, they basically get paid to go coach people who are going to give Ted talks uh, or big talks like this. And, uh, and so I found there's like a $99 course. It's like 18 sessions on this thing called creativelive.com. And there's all sorts of like ongoing educational things you can learn on there. But the one that I, I, I bought it, it's 99 bucks on creative public speaking. And the way they, um, the, the way they position, this is totally like away from preaching. This is really just about public speaking, but, uh, they talk about, um, they're both trained actors 
And so they say, essentially, you need as a, a public speaker, a communicator to think through uh, why you're on the stage in the same way that a, uh, a trained actor is thinking through why they're on the stage. They're a character. They have motivation. They're trying to communicate emotion. You know, there's an urgency, you know, and they know how to use their voice in different ways. And they really, truly work through all these um, skills that you would learn um, in like theater training for public speaking. And they give you great worksheets and ways to work that stuff through. Um, and that, probably in the last year, that's been the most shaping um, thing for me because sure. I think I've kind of fallen into like, hey, this is how I preach. This is how I prepare. And all that stuff is good. But then my when I'm on stage or when I'm communicating, um, I kind of hadn't thought about why or how much. And so that was a really good thing for me to think through. Um, you know, there's a great sermon, there's a great book, um, by, uh, Doug Padgett that I read, uh, man, like 12 years ago called preaching beyond speech or yeah, preaching beyond speeching. And, uh, it, it's, it's, it's really good to think through just like, what is the sermon versus a speech? And it was really good. I thought it, at the time I was really young, I was probably 25 and I just probably preached a dozen sermons, but being able to think about, that in a different way. Was that the uh, Was that the one that was? Did they retitle that preaching yeah. reimagined? Yeah, they retitled it preaching okay. reimagined. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I bought that because I heard him speak about it at some conference in Kentucky a long time ago. Um, and then there was another. Um, there's this big book. Let me see if I can see it. It's called The Art and Craft of Biblical Preaching, and that's probably another ten years old. Um, that it's just a lot of. Um, a lot of articles from different, uh, I don't know if they're articles, but different people preach different or wrote different um, chapters on preaching. So lots of various types of pe- preachers. And then really creatively, they included a CD. So this is how long ago it was, yeah. but they created, they included a CD um, that had the sermons, a sermon by each person who wrote that chapter. So you could kind of see how they did yeah. what they were talking about. Those things were really good for me. I'll tell you what, too, like for me, um, going to I, Willow Creek did a preaching conference. Man, this would have been 2003. Yeah. And I remember I told my senior pastor, I was at a church plant in Fort Wayne, Indiana. He's He asked like kind of what, what I was working on, what goals I had. I said, man, I want to be a better communicator. I just really want to get better at this. I know that this is, you know, at least in our form of church in America, the 20 to 30 minutes is a very important part of what we do. And so I want to, I want to learn how to do this better. And so he's like, he took, he took money out of his kind of personal budget to take me to this conference. And it was, it was really shaping for me. Um, it was just really shaping for me. And if I look back, I don't even know, I don't even know if I can tell you the like big things I remember from that, but it was like, it gave me stuff to think through and work on and gave me a, a guy who believed in me you know, invested in that time for me, which was a really big deal. And that Rob Bell preaching and teaching, I think it was called Prophets, Poets, Prophets and Preachers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was very important for me too. Some for personal reasons, um, just some stuff I was working through. In fact, actually, while I was on that trip at that, at that um, conference was when I was, I felt like really clearly, we've been kicking around planting this church, but it felt like very clearly, while I was there, God was like, this is what you're supposed to do. You know, like you need to do this. So coming home from that, was, it was a big trip for me. But having a chance to learn and grow in those ways was really, really good for me as well. Um, 
so those are some of the, the most shaping things for me as a as a communicator or those kind of things. And then I'll tell you, I know you asked for books, so I'm sorry because this it's is a good. resources. Okay. I haven't I haven't really told you any new books that I've read in a long time. But you know, um I think having people to talk to about sermons has been really good for me. Um and so uh when I worked at the the Southern Baptist Church, I was preaching every week. Uh, but I would go into the creative meeting. So there was a creative team meeting that they had for the Sunday morning services. But we were preaching the same messages in the evening, same text, ideas, whatever. So here I was in a, a group of like six to eight people just kicking around ideas, talking it through, imagining things. And and then also reviewing the week before a sermon. Sometimes that was just kind of a lot of pats on the back, you know, like, oh, no, that was great. And I, I knew it wasn't or whatever. But uh but when you could really like unpack what worked, what didn't work, why, how, that kind of stuff has been some of the most shaping, you know, things for me is having people to talk to about why something did or did not work, you know? Right. And uh, so, you know, and then honestly, I know, again, it's not a book, but this podcast has been so helpful for me because, you know, preaching is a lonely game a lot of the times for a lot of people. And uh, so, you know, t- you don't have there's a lot of people if you preach the person who does something the most in a church becomes the expert on it whether they're an expert or not right and so for me that's probably true in every walk of life for me at our church i'm probably the expert on preaching whether i am or not and so being able to sit and talk or hear from people who are doing this and understand it in ways different than me has been very shaping you know helpful yeah and i'm i'm always thankful to hear that it's yeah 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 I, i'm certainly learning a lot so i'm glad Glad other, I'm even learning from you, so I'm glad we're all learning from each other. Hey, I, I guess I kind of should have told you this before, but in our, our sermons, we're very passionate about um, not just having my voice. So I ask questions during my sermons mm. and allow people to speak uh, in the middle of the sermon. So um, uh, I'll, I'll like, generally it's two to three, sometimes four questions, and I'll just ask a question and I want people to to give me their thoughts and their feedback. And so it's, um, you know, that's become a very, I've thought about killing it because sometimes it's just hard to like figure out how to put that in, but it's so important to people. Um, and it's because, you know, I want people to think of the church as more than just like the people on the stage. And so like what God might want to say through you or through even just like, uh, I'll ask a question, like, how do you think this disciple was feeling when this happened or whatever? So it's all a conjecture, but it gives people, like a chance to engage in a different way. And, uh, and that's been a really shaping, um, I use that phrase a lot, but that's been really shaping for me as a, as a preacher too, because you start to pick things up that people are feeling like ways that you didn't think people would process or go through things. So that's been a really helpful thing for us. And I learned that you, you probably know, I learned that from Bob Hyatt out in oh, Portland yeah. Yeah. at Evergreen. Um, I, when I was out there for grad school, I would go to church at Evergreen, um, on Sunday mornings just to kind of go to church and it was down the street. And so I learned Dustin, um, Bagby. Yeah. Bagby. Yeah. I was Bigby, Bagby, Bagby was the one, the lead leading the, the gatherings where we were by. So I would just walk down there and get to meet that. And then, uh, he and Bob both were willing to talk with me. And this was when I was thinking through like, how are we going to plant this church about why they did that? And it's been something that's really stuck with our philosophy, you know? And so when people preach at Renew, I try and talk them into asking the questions, you know, even people from outside that don't do it and aren't used to that uh, because there's just such a value to 
for us of doing that to to have people talk and share and and you know short windows, but it just yeah. engages people in a different way. When it grounds it grounds you. I, that's something I've done in the past in seasons. I'm realizing I've kind of lost doing that as much mm-hmm. as I used to do for sure. But one of the things I learned from it, you know, when somebody comes up and asks you a question, mm-hmm. you get a good sense of where people are coming from and where the gaps are still between what you think they're you're yep. saying and what they're getting. And yeah. that's helpful, especially if you spend a lot of time in books. But when you're asking questions like that, it's like you're getting instant feedback and staying connected with, well, okay, here's where these people are really at. I bet yeah. that keeps helps keep rooting you back into the life of the community that you're preaching to. It really does. And I'll tell you, you know, because we're trying to reach 60% of people who would not come to church, if they actually do end up coming to one of our gatherings, they're generally probably freaked out, you know, for a lot of reasons. And I've had on probably half dozen occasions, somebody come up to me and say, it was really cool that you let people answer questions. And it, and I'm like, Oh cool. Why did you like that? And almost every time they're like, because I realized that I wasn't the only one thinking, X. And and so it's like all of a sudden people are like, they go, I don't know if I even believe this stuff, but somebody who does is saying this or someone else here thinks this way. And so I can belong here. This is a place I could be. And uh, when I told people we were going to do it, people were a little nervous. Like, well, what if somebody says something crazy? I'm like, what if they do? At least we have a chance to address it. You know, at least we can talk about it, you know, as opposed to just everybody walking around with crazy thoughts in their head, but never having an opportunity to speak on it. You know, so people say crazy stuff all the time. Yeah, preachers probably said, said yeah. Yeah, right, 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 exactly. <laughs> well, Andy, it's it's a it's great to talk with you. It's great to hear about your process and have you be part of this uh this podcast. Thanks. I appreciate the opportunity. It's been awesome. Yeah, I always appreciate it when I can tell somebody has a lot of passion for it and it easily comes through in the conversation and clearly that's the case here. So, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. All right. Well, have a good one. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, Andy, and thanks to all of you for listening. You can find uh, all the links, all the books, everything listed at sermonsmith.com for not just Andy's interview, but all of our previous interviews, as well as some of the sermons and other resources that he mentioned will be posted there. You can find us on Twitter at Sermonsmith. You can find us on Facebook by doing a search for Sermonsmith. Do it all one word. Any way that you can help uh, follow and share and spread the word there is always appreciated. And if you're enjoying the podcast and maybe a Logos space package is out of your budget, uh, if you consider going to patreon.com slash sermonsmith, you can be a partner of the show and pledge to support the show there. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash sermonsmith. Thanks so much. <laughs>